Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, earlier this week, we got our first media access to the players, to the locker room, to the uh, OTA practice at Ray Nitschke Field. A lot of different topics uh, that we can toss around here over the next couple of episodes, but we might as well start with QB1. Because for all the things that have been circulating out there this offseason, there's been this little bit of an undercurrent of, you know, will Aaron Rodgers, after two broken collarbones in the last four to five years, is he going to maybe start to play the game a little differently or, you know, be concern himself with uh, extending his career and whatnot in terms of the exposure to injury? Aaron Rodgers is having none of it. He's not changing how he's going to play the game. Nope. <laughs> that was his one-word answer yeah. uh, when he was asked about it uh, earlier this week. And here's my perspective on this, Michael. Uh, all right. Whatever you want to say about the two injuries, 2013 and 2017, I know one of the questions been been posed to both Rodgers and his coaches this week was, you know, he was outside the pocket when these things happened, and, and you know, if he needs to consider changing that. If, if Aaron Rodgers was running around like Michael Vick, if he's downfield taking those kind of hits, or even like Andrew Luck did for a number of years, where people were kind of criticizing how many, how much you know, contact he was taking, yeah, I think I would feel differently. But Rodgers isn't out there acting like a crash test dummy. He's very methodical in his approach in the pocket, and when he's moving out, when he's not, there's no wasted motion in that at all. There, everything has a reason behind it. So, yeah, I know there's always going to be inherent danger, inherent risk as it relates to him, but that can be said for every position. You know, I remember there was a couple of years there, I think, where it was Eddie Lacy. You know, should Eddie Lacy be taking as many hits? Uh, should he be trying to get out to the sideline more? Uh, do the Packers need to consider working on the rep count? There's always a question. If Aaron Rodgers would change his whole mentality and stay in the pocket, then the narrative would become, well, why isn't Aaron Rodgers outside the pocket anymore? Everything has a cause and effect. We're now at a point, we're a decade into his career as a starter, Mike. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is what he is as a quarterback. He still finds ways to improve his game and, and to kind of add things to his repertoire, but he's become a two-time MVP, a Super Bowl champion, getting to this level the way he's played. I understand he's 34 years old, but the time might eventually come if he does want to play into his 40s where he's going to have to make an adjustment. I thought he did that in 2014 when he had the calf injury, staying inside the pocket. Right. But right now, I think that's one of the things that makes him great. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And this is my take, and this is admittedly simplistic. But for all the contact, the collisions, everything that happen in NFL games, broken bones are a fluke. Yeah. Because right. otherwise they'd happen a heck of a lot more than they do. They're a fluke. And it's happened twice to Aaron Rodgers, and they are the only injuries since he has been a starter that have kept him on the sidelines for any extended period of time. Yes, he's had a concussion here or there, calf injury, stuff that he's tried to play through. But the broken bones, the broken collarbones is what you know has kept him out. They're fluke plays. He could just as easily break bones by staying in the pocket and right. taking a hit. I, that That's just the way I that's look That's what happened at to Brian Hoyer two years ago. Remember that? When Clay Matthews had the yeah. hit and Hoyer broke his arm? Right. He was inside the pocket. Yeah, he was inside. I mean, Aaron Aaron Rodgers could, you know, cock his arm in the pocket and his, and his arm could hit some guy on the helmet or in the face mask or whatever. He could crack his forearm and be out for the season again or something. I mean, it, it to me, this whole inside and outside the pocket and change the way you play the game, it's just, it's not a 
the narrative that that, that I buy into at all, and cl- clearly Rodgers doesn't either. And if you're going to excel at this level, you can't play with a fearful mindset. You can't play with restrictions. You have to play the way that you play the game. If Aaron Rodgers is curtailing certain aspects based on the you know, potential yeah. risk, then he's not being Aaron Rodgers. Right. So, yeah, there's a bunch of different probabilities when you step on the field. Everyone gets that. Players get that. But that's all based on probability and unlikeliness. You have to play the game for what it is, the hypothesis. You know, Hypothetical is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Aaron Rodgers has to play with what's in front of him, and it's what's got him to this point. Yeah, a couple other comments that Rodgers made that I thought were really intriguing. Um, He talked about Jimmy Graham. Very impressed with what he's seen so far from the new tight end in this offense. And one particular line in his comment about Graham that interested me, he made reference to Graham being able to read coverages very quickly. That says a lot for Jimmy Graham, but what I think it says for the 2018 Green Bay Packers, something that we talked about on a previous show, is Aaron Rodgers noticing that and feeling that way about Jimmy Graham tells me this whole process of those two getting on the same page is not going to take very long. He's got a lot of confidence in what this guy brings to the table. He he does. He absolutely does. And I think Graham's also a guy that's going to fit in well with this locker room. It's only been a couple days that we've seen him, you know, around the team in that uh, from with our eyeballs, but... Uh, he just his personality just seems to really mesh. He does remind me more of that Jared Cook, sort of just unassuming kind of guy. Has out of this world athleticism, out of this world ability, uh, but he doesn't openly advertise that. He just, as he said from the day at the beginning of the offseason program, he wants to do his job. He wants to win that Super Bowl ring, and he feels like this is the best conduit to making that happening. Yeah, absolutely. With that, we're gonna go to a break. Back with more on Packers unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Wes, continuing our discussion here on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about Rodgers, Jimmy Graham. Uh, Life after Jordy Nelson begins now for the Green Bay Packers as we get uh, into OTAs. And uh, pretty clear cut who the new leaders are in the Packers wide receiver room. And I shouldn't necessarily say new leaders because Randall Cobb has been one for a while, but now also... Devontae Adams becomes the uh, the pairing with Randall Cobb as far as the uh, the veteran leaders at that position group, a position group that has a lot of young guys who are going to be competing but also trying to find their way in this league. Yeah, and I thought one of the interesting things, I wrote a story about this this week, Mike, 209 regular season games played right now among those 11 receivers in the Packers uh, in that room right now. 155 of them belong to Randall Cobb and Devontae <laughs> Adams. 26 apiece for Geronimo Allison and Trevor Davis, and two for Michael Clark, along with three rookie draft picks coming in and a litany of other players trying to make this squad. Here's the thing. Randall Cobb has been in this role before. He was in it in 2015 as well. He was thrust in it when Jordy Nelson goes down to the ACL injury in Pittsburgh. Right. He's not. He's He's been a leader at a young age for him, as he said uh, this week with reporters, it's nothing new, even though Jordy Nelson isn't in that room. The most telling thing I thought was Devontae Adams, and listening to him speak for almost 20 minutes in the locker room uh, on, on Tuesday, 
he mentioned this. I thought it was such an interesting point is that he's always had that confidence to be a leader. He likes being a guy that people go to. And he understood when he signed that contract extension back in December, this is what is going to be required of him. But being that he was a 22-year-old rookie four years ago, being that he had Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, at a time, James Jones, in that room right. uh, a year later, he wasn't going to voice his opinion. He wasn't going to be that outspoken because he wanted to give that respect. He didn't want to step on any feet. But don't get it twisted. He feels very comfortable being a guy that, that players can go to and be in the face of an offense uh, in a receiver group. And I think even I saw uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the rookie fifth-round pick out of USF, uh, retweeting the story that I had written for Packers.com, and he even said, couldn't ask for two better role models on how to be a professional, how to be a Packer. Those two guys are the ones that are responsible for setting the standard now for them. And, you know, I think it's something that both Cobb and Adams uh, fully embrace. Yeah, I think uh, what I see with the Packers, because we've seen we've seen the leadership mantle uh, change hands several times over even just within Aaron Rodgers' decade as a starting quarterback. You had your your Donald Drivers and your Greg Jennings and your James Jones and Jordy Nelson, and now it's Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. I don't know if it's something about the position group or just about those individuals, the type of guys who who are brought in to Green Bay and and you know become those playmakers. All these guys are so comfortable in their right. own skin. They yeah. are completely at ease with who they are and how, when leadership is thrust upon them, Devontae Adams is not going out there saying, "Okay, I need to lead like Jordy Nelson or I need to lead like James Jones or or Donald Driver." He's going to be Devontae Adams. Right. And Randall Cobb has been that way since he walked in as a as a very young 21-year-old in 2011, you know, very mature beyond his years, and now he is the elder statesman in the Packers locker room, but it doesn't feel like it's anything all that, you know, all, all that burdensome, I guess is what I'm trying to right. say because these guys are very comfortable with who they are. Well, and here's the thing, Mike, getting back to what uh, Aaron Rodgers earlier, another topic he was asked about was the whole Des Bryant fiasco and that <laughs> narrative that's out there that the Packers would they be interested in Des Bryant. Thanks and, Jason Witten. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and you know, Rodgers said, I mean, why why would we sign Des Bryant? You know, when when you let go of Jordy Nelson, when you have all these young receivers. And I said this during the pre-draft. I'm sure you remember it when we were going out of the combine and, and looking at some of the stuff going into the draft. By and large, not even close, the, the position the Packers have done the best job of drafting and developing is receiver. They've done it with all the guys that you mentioned. So at, why at that point do – why was – even before Brian, I know there was questions about Sammy Watkins and other people putting all this stuff out there – the Packers have done such a pure job of developing those guys and finding playmakers. I think there has to be a lot of trust there that it's going to happen again. And that's why, you know, Adams and Cobb, they're a product of that tree. And I think they understand exactly what their role is now as they try to cultivate, you know, that that new generation of Packers receivers. Yeah, and I think when you look at when you look at this young group, Aaron Rodgers made the comment when it comes to the rookie wide receivers. He didn't really have an assessment necessarily of how they're doing because he hasn't thrown uh, very many passes to them at all in the 11-on-11 yeah. drills at OTAs yet because of where they are on the depth chart. Guys like Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb can tell these young receivers, you know, Adams in particular can say, hey, look where I was on the depth chart right. in 2014 when I was a rookie. And it was, what, maybe the New England game in November yes. of his rookie season before he really sort of had his coming out party, so to speak, of like, oh, here's this rookie receiver right. and look what he can do. Randall Cobb, the same thing, although 
you know, he had that big kickoff return in his very first game against the New Orleans Saints. But yeah. offensively, in this offense with Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, it, it took some time to become an impact player because of where he was on the depth chart when he walked in. Those are great examples for these young guys, for, you know, Jamon Moore and for EQ St. Brown. These guys, when you're used to being the star, being the man in a big-time offense in college – you don't just step into that role right. in the NFL, but you can get there. And right. these two guys, Adams and Cobb, are perfect examples of how you get there. And Adams said, too, there's another side to that ball game as well. What he went through in 2015, he said, no matter what you've gone through, and this isn't being, you know, he's not, this is a humble brag, but he's like, I've been through a million times worse because of the pressure that got put on him after Jordy Nelson was gone and the injury that happened. Right, and that was just in his second season. He had to yeah. pick himself up and then end up having the breakthrough season in 2016. That's just sometimes the way it goes. And I think that's, as he said, adds a lot of credibility to that argument when they have those conversations with young players. No question about it. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Uh, Wes, shifting to the defensive side of the ball, I know there's a lot of uh, anticipation and whatnot as to just what the Packers' secondary is going to look like in 2018 with the top two draft picks coming in at cornerback, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson. Uh, Kevin King spoke at his locker the other day, and um, I guess probably the best news of of everything that we've heard is that his shoulder surgery, the shoulder injury that cut short his rookie season, everything uh, everything went well. He's not absolutely fully medically cleared to participate in everything right now. I think the Packers are holding out until until training camp for uh, for that stage. But uh, Kevin King is uh, very confident in his health right now, and uh, he's excited for what lies ahead. And there's levels to this thing, Mike. You can be back for the offseason program and, and be able to participate in this stuff and you know have some restrictions before training camp. You also cannot be doing anything, too. So the fact that he is out there, I think, points to that progress. And he said you know, he had one of the best in the business. J- Dr. James Andrews, probably one of the most famous sports surgeons in the country, work on that shoulder. Feels like he took care of him. He's good to go. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be able to get his hands on guys this season, pressing at the line of scrimmage. Feels really good about that right now and where he's sitting. And then he also mentioned, too, I mean, the fact that they've brought in two more cornerbacks into this competition with Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. Tremont Williams coming in, a guy that he's expecting to learn from as well with the wealth of experience that Tremont has had over the last 11 years in this league. I've been saying it all offseason. The Packers have built a lot of depth at the cornerback position. And for, for King to be back and participating in this and the plans that the Packers have for him and the bright spots that he showed during his rookie season despite that shoulder injury, I think that bodes well for what he's going to have in store now for his sophomore campaign. Yeah, let's not let's not uh, forget this. Uh, this is one tough cookie here yeah. from the University <laughs> of Washington uh, because this is a, this is a shoulder injury that you know he he played through it a good stretch in in his rookie season before he was shut down, but he had to battle this in college at times as well with the shoulder popping out of place because of the the problems and whatnot. And uh, um, you know he just he he just kept after it, and I sensed. I sensed uh, not not only some relief but some excitement on his part that he feels like for the first time in a while the shoulder is not something that has to be on his mind that right. he had, they, that he has to think about and when you combine perhaps that 
that uh, that mind at ease type of uh, position with uh, the talent and the ability that we haven't seen, frankly, yet on the field because he really only played about half a season. Uh, it'll be really intriguing what uh, what develops. Here. I think of it a lot like a car, you know, where where you're driving a car and let's say you got a, a ding or you got an offender bender uh, and, and you keep driving it. Yeah, when you're not driving it, it's going to feel like everything's okay. But when you have to get back in it, <laughs> you're not making anything better. You do have to get it repaired. And I go back to that game, I think it was against Pittsburgh, where you could just see him battling through it and, and just pushing himself through it. He'd miss practices, he'd miss a game, he'd come back. There was just that understanding that, okay, we got to get this thing better for the long run yep. as opposed to just the short term. Something else that was very interesting, Mike, and I pointed this out uh, when you and I were standing at practice, the fact that, yeah, we could talk about Kevin King until we're blue in the face, but Quentin Rollins was back on the field after having that nasty Achilles injury last season. Herb Waters, who had the shoulder surgery last training camp, Packers were high on him making a conversion from receiver. He was back on the field. Kentrell Bryce back from the ankle injury. So the Packers finally are getting healthy in that secondary, which I know it's it's May. You're anticipating that that's what's going to happen. But the fact that those guys are back on the field, to me, once Jan- you know July 26 rolls around, that is the position between cornerback and safety and who ends up playing in nickel and dime situations. It's the biggest battle. It's the biggest competition. There are so many players with experience going to be in that that battle. To see these guys being able to get back on the field and potentially in a position for that first training camp practice to yep. start competing, I think that's something that Joe Witt and that entire defense has to feel good about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that uh, with some of these injuries, I was certainly anticipating you know more guys being held yeah. out you know where maybe you're waiting for the first practice of training camp, but when uh with the work that they're able to get now as you said the competition is going to be intense it's going to be sharp uh these guys are are going to be going at it because not only for the pecking order and whatnot in terms of playing time but just flat out making the roster right. because of because of the uh the all those young guys from you know the year one to year three four guys that are in that mix there's not going to be room for all of them that's just the bottom line exactly and kudos to herb waters he told me in january he'd be cleared for otas and he was Good on him lived for up, lived uh, up to up his to word. That. All right, with that, we will go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, quickly before we go, worth mentioning here that uh, especially for those fans locally who are coming out to the open OTA practices, some familiar faces not in their jerseys but on the sidelines for Green Bay this spring as coaching interns. Coincidentally, all of them on the Super Bowl Forty Five roster from 2010. I'm talking about Jarrett Bush. Brandon Jackson and Nick Barnett. Now, Brandon Jackson was here last year in the same sort of uh, uh, coaching intern capacity, and then he's worked at a couple of small colleges um, with with his, uh, you know, trying to break into coaching. And now Jarrett Bush and Nick Barnett trying to do the same thing, get into uh, the coaching business after their playing days. Just interesting to see uh, some of those familiar faces out there as they uh, as they try to take that uh, next step in their careers. Yeah, and it's not even just the familiar faces out there. It was in the stadium. I, I ran into Jared Bush uh, walking uh, around on Wednesday, and uh, just like he did when he was a player, I don't know if you remember this, 
Jared Bush was very, very rarely available in the locker room. Like, he just wasn't in there. If you wanted to get him, you could get him. He just wasn't sitting in his locker on his iPhone the entire time. <laughs> what he used to do all the time is he put on a weight pack, run into the bowl, yeah. and he'd run the stairs. Yeah. He didn't have the weight pack. The guy went and did that again. I mean, like, he's, that's just he's the running, way he's, he's running wired. stairs again, yeah. He looks phenomenal right now. And I've even said this to one of the our PR um, uh, communications assistant, uh, Nate Lacasio. I mean, he even looks like he got taller, to be honest with you. I forgot how tall Jared Bush was. And I'll tell you what, he's a great guy to have in here, just starting with him first and foremost, because, yes, he knew the everything, ins and outs of Dom Capers' defense, but he also made himself valuable on special teams. For any young guy that's trying to make this 53, Jared Bush should be your idol. You should have a picture of him up on your mantle in yeah. terms of an undrafted free agent out of Utah State that came in and did everything that was asked of him and made himself valuable for nine years in the NFL. Nick Barnett, a, a, a vet, a veteran's veteran, you know, as long as he was around, and then obviously Brandon Jackson having the experience he did last year with Ben Sermons too. A good group to learn from here during the offseason program. Yeah, when you talk about Jarrett Bush being a, um, you know, being a poster boy, so to speak, for last, lack of a better phrase, for some of these young guys, let's not forget his even first attempt into the NFL failed. He, yeah. get, he gets released Carolina. by Carolina. The Packers end up claim, claiming him on waivers, and then for the better part of a decade, he becomes a, a special team standout, and then the occasional fill-in uh, in the defensive backfield, uh, both at corner or safety when something was needed, and the guy gets an interception in the Super Bowl against Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely. Just an incredible career he had. I remember Dom Capers saying it, too, that he could play basically every position that wasn't defensive line. He could play the linebacker <laughs> spots. He could play dime linebacker. He could do whatever you needed him to do, and... He's a good guy to learn from. Yeah, it's good to see these guys back. It's always nice to reconnect yeah. with familiar faces. But with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he is at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>